Hi guys, welcome back to Let's Chat with Lexi Frat. I'm your host, Lexi. Sorry, I've been a little bit MIA. Uh, I didn't get to post an episode last week. Things have been a little bit crazy and trying to figure out the right content and figure out interviews and stuff. But today is the day that we are interviewing one of my best friends, Grace. Grace, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Grace. Um, I just graduated from Colorado College uh, as a political science major in May, and um, I'm starting a job at the ACLU of Colorado in August. But until then, I'm in my hometown of Portsmouth, spending lots of time with people. Thanks for having me, Lexi. Oh my gosh, of course. Grace was always in the running for like one of the episodes that I, like when I started this podcast, I really wanted to do an episode with her along these lines of what um, the subject line's going to be. And the main purpose was how to not necessarily deal with, but how to figure out how, I just said how to figure out like seven times. How to have and maintain your own opinion while everyone else is kind of differing or maybe people aren't as strong in their opinions, but um, to stay strong, especially when it's something that you believe in. And I think that's very valid with what is going on right now um, in our climate. And that's why I thought it was very, very vital to get Grace on the pod ASAP so that people can kind of follow what she's done. And obviously Grace is continuously working, but I think she's a great advocate and a great role model for people to see what they can actually do. And I think a lot of people have been very helpless with um, all the stuff that's going on. And I don't mean to be vague, but basically like police brutality, the social um, injustices, like systemic racism, everything that has been going on. So I really wanted to get Grace on here. And um, I think she'll give some great advice to you all. Yeah, so um, I know you said where you went to college, but do you want to just give a little bit of background about why you're a person that um, would be helpful in order for other people to be advocates for social justice? Um, Well, I by no means am um, perfect in any of my advocacy. I think that um, my whole uh, time in, it started more in politics, and I think I haven't quite figured out the perfect route to actually get change to happen, but I think my interest in politics in general started uh, when I was younger in elementary school. I started canvassing with um, my mom going door to door, Mm -hmm. and there was just some sort of energy and excitement in being able to talk to voters and my neighbors uh, about the decision that they would make on the ballot. And for me, when I was, I guess I started when I was nine and a huge deal for me was that I was able to kind of talk to people and maybe even sway their vote. And um, even though I couldn't vote. And I think that was my huge thing was, okay, well, if I can't vote and I'm interested in politics, then I have to do something in order to make some sort of change. So that's kind of was the seed to everything else where I realized that I really did could have an impact on even if it's just city council elections or presidential elections. Not that I was really swaying people's votes at age nine, probably, (laughs) but it felt really, really good to feel like I have a sense of efficacy 
and could actually do something about the problems that I saw in the world. So I think that's kind of where my interest in uh, social, social justice advocacy, excuse me, sorry, um, started, um, but I'm still learning as I go. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think what you said was important was um, how you might not have swayed people's votes. And I think that some people, are so afraid to even do any kind of change because they're afraid they won't actually make a difference. But I know that you definitely did. And even if you didn't, like you, you're still trying. And I think so many people are afraid of trying and afraid of saying anything. The amount of times on Instagram where people say, I don't have the right words or I don't know what the next step to do, but the next step is always just action and just trying whatever is within your limits. And I know with like even donating when people wanted to donate to black lives matter, um, to, uh, to different, um, victims of assault, anything like any kind of charity, they, they're like, I might not have the money, but I can watch YouTube videos and like have the advertisements accrue money to go to something. There's always a way to do something. You just have to kind of find it. So like you at age nine, I can't vote what do I have to do in order to get the person that I want or the representative that I want um, in office or whatever? Like, I think that's so cool, especially so young and how empowered you were. But I think also you, it's not necessarily always political. Like you, you stood for people that had um, great views on social justice as well. Like I felt like you were always passionate about people that cared for others. Right. Yeah. I never, one of my, uh, views on politics is you can never just be uh, someone who votes fiscally. Like when people say mm-hmm. that they're um, fiscally conservative, for example, I'll get into some controversial topics um, <laughs> and then, and they don't vote. I've heard like, I don't vote on social issues. I think that that is so um, that's a very privileged approach where I'm not going to be impacted by people getting killed. So why would I not vote for my wallet? And I think the huge thing is I politics increasingly. So I think um, for a few decades, but especially since 2016 has become, uh, seems a little, people have had an increasingly clouded view on politics. And I Mm -hmm. think politics and um, politics as like a mode to get social change to happen is so important, but what we're seeing in 2020 um, is people just ignoring the system and not ignoring the system. I'm trying to come up with the right words, but people, um, people doing, making change on their own. And that's what's Mm -hmm. so huge about Black Lives Matter movement and the um, movement that's happening um, on social media today is that young people, when they don't see change happening in their government, they're able to uh, use social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and their donations and going out and protesting and make those changes. And I think the big thing is that nothing is too small. I yeah. think that's like the biggest thing to always remember. And also, like, nothing's going to change if you don't make a huge fuss about it. And that's something that I think we've, like, all realized is that so many – a lot of the cops wouldn't have been arrested um, in a lot of these cases if people didn't actually care. And I I know that a lot of – so heartbreaking, but a lot of cases are resurfacing um, where people of color, black people, were murdered in 
no, no, no one was brought to justice, but it's because people didn't really talk about it. And so that's how like the media is so important and, and people caring about it is so important. But we also understand, cause we were both talking about this the other day that it, it can be overwhelming, especially on social media, um, with all the infiltration of so much knowledge and so many sad things all at once. And like, you, you have so many passions. Even we were just talking about like Britney Spears, like how her life in, her mentally unstable state that makes you sad and then you see like you're talking about like philando um who was murdered in his car like and you're bringing up all these cases and it it is so overwhelming but i think that like grace said no no change is too small no action is too small and so even if you're putting in the time and the thought to think about things and talk about it with your family that is something it's never going to be like we just have to work as a herd and as a group if we care as a group i think that's the biggest thing um so that's back to round circle that's why i brought grace because i think that she can definitely um put a spark in some people and make people passionate about this stuff like obviously it comes without like saying i think everyone should be passionate about social justice but you'd be surprised like we've talked to people that just it doesn't matter to them or it doesn't affect them that means it doesn't matter to them yeah, it's a privilege to just be ignoring everything that's going on right now. And I think that's the biggest thing. That you have to get angry and we have to stay angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole thing with like um, Breonna Taylor, the other movement that's like, we didn't forget about you because nothing really has happened with it, but everyone's so passionate about it. And then it kind of died down. And then now the movement's back of like, we didn't forget about you. I know that maybe our legislation, like our government isn't really backing you up, but like we will serve you in your memory, um, mm-hmm. which is crazy, which is so sad. But um, I did want to, you know, we, we dived off a little bit going, <laughs> we, we really <laughs> dove in in the beginning. Sorry, Grace and I could definitely talk it up, but that's a little peek talk of where we're going. This is, yeah, literally. This is just the part one. So that's just the idea of like what we're going to dive into. Um, but we're going to go into a little bit of updates. We did update a little bit saying like we've been overwhelmed with social media. Um, I started a petition to lower my tuition. That's been that's been up there. Nothing's really happened with it other than we got a lot of signatures. Um, university hasn't really made anything public yet. But I'm hoping that if you're listening, you go to a different university to do something similar or talk to your student financial services, anything like that. And a lot of my friends are graduated and done for the moment. So they have a whole other stress if you want to talk about that, Grace, being a new graduate. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously it's a crazy time, no matter what stage you're at. And it's kind of scary, but I think um, definitely graduating into such uncertainty is so unprecedented and so unexpected. I mean, obviously no one knew in like February that this would be what what we're doing in July, but um, I think there, I think everyone is getting, uh, hopefully people are getting stronger from it. I don't know. I feel really lucky that I have a job opportunity, but I think it's a really, really, really tough time in the next few years. It's going to be a tough time for people to graduate in, so. Yeah, I feel bad for people that are like freshmen, sophomores. Yeah, we have discussed this to an an extent about how literally, if anything, if you're in any situation, it sucks. But if you have some sort of stable job and you're allowed to work, 
you have less change, but even so, like this is an insane an insane time period. And like you said, in February, no one really expected it. Everyone was just kind of talking about how it was going on in China, Italy, and then our whole whole world just went upside down. Um, and that's kind of like why my updates are pretty much the same thing every week because nothing really changes um, other than me just like wanting to work out every day, still trying to work. The petition was something new. Um, but yeah, just being feeling slightly overwhelmed and I just want to shout out to the people if you're feeling overwhelmed or feel like you don't have control about a lot of things, just it'll be okay. And we're all in it together. I think everyone with a heart and a soul is feeling overwhelmed right now. Um, social with social issues, with everything going on with COVID, the amount of deaths, the news is not a positive place right now. Um, it hasn't ever really been, but it's definitely flooding with a lot of stuff. So if you're feeling that way, you are not alone. Um, Grace, do you have any other kind of updates on your life? I mean, not, it doesn't feel like anything's been new for a while. Unfortunately, I'm not living too exciting of a life. Um, just happy to be home. Yeah. I think that it's nice to be able to like, obviously in a respectful and socially distanced way, be able to see some friends and be outside. And Grace and I rollerbladed the other day, not the other day, weeks ago. We definitely need a blade again, but get back uh, to that. you're like, we're going to do this every day. <laughs> no, I have my blades in my car. I always, I always do it at the kids that I um, babysit for. They oh, love yeah. my blade. I did I fall though the other day. Oh yeah. Yeah. I did fall pretty bad. It was weird, but got right back up. But when Grace and I were bleeding, yeah, I just knew my knee pads and my elbow pads. But when we were out, we were saying how there is a silver lining that so many more people are outside and so many more people are doing outdoor activities. And last year, would we have thought of bleeding? No, I I don't even think I'd know I'd have a pair of road blades at my house. You know, like we would be inside at a bar or like inside hanging out not trying to do activities in the outdoors so that's a positive yeah I think all we can do is look at the positives and swinging back to uh, all the the things on social media and everything with the movement a lot of this wouldn't have happened I would guess that none of uh, this movement and push for social justice um, and kind of revival of Black Lives Matter movement would not have happened with all this so trying to think of it in a positive way as much as possible. And I know we'll discuss it more in the next episode, but just very interesting to think about. Oh yeah, for sure. When George Floyd became like the face of the, Mm -hmm. the movement, we needed something, unfortunately a tragedy to capitalize on it, to make people upset because black people have been upset since the day where they were born because they were just treated differently, differently and people of color in general, but it took something like this so blatant, so caught on camera for people mm-hmm. to start caring. And I think, once again, why I wanted you on the the podcast is because I feel like it didn't take anything like that for you to really genuinely care. Like, it was instilled in you to care about social issues. So I feel like people need to think more like that and not waiting for something to happen to react. Like, we can't be reactive. We need to be proactive um and I think our generation is definitely better about that yeah, in general but I guess we can go into one question before we get into uh the rest of the part two which will be straight up questions straight up takeaways um but 
for the listeners out there that are like, what is going on? There is so much talking in this episode. The structure of this is we went through our updates, talked about Grace as a person. And then now um, we're going to get a little bit into the questions regarding how to be an ally and how to be basically like a white person in this movement and how to be a proper ally, basically, as social justice, how to um, capitalize on it and how to stay strong in arguments where you're with people who just it just doesn't make a lick of sense. That's a huge question. I can't wait for Grace to answer that one. (laughs) But starting off, um, growing up, you were always very confident in your opinions and stance on social issues and politics. What do you attribute that to? Well, I definitely attribute that to my family. I um, have an older sister and I live with both my parents. And they are very, very political. Every discussion, since I can remember at the dinner table, revolves around some sort of political discussion. And um, the, the thing my mom always says is, oh, Grace used to hate politics so much when you're younger, you'd run away from the dinner table crying. I was like, so I was probably five because by the time I was nine, I like politics enough to go door to door. So yeah, so I'm always like, what is that even? What's your scale? So um, my older sister is five years older. So I think um, kind of being forced into those adult conversations and not being shielded from anything from a young age was definitely really helpful. And I know I wouldn't be as involved in politics um, or I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be as involved in politics today if it weren't for the political environment that I grew up in and kind of having politics and issues of social justice being talked about um, as a very real and everyday issue. Uh, mm. I think that for a lot of people, government and kind of social justice movements seem as though they're very far away and we're all very removed from them. But um, I think it's really important. Um, I think learning from a young age that you are a part of this and you have um, you have efficacy and you have kind of say in what goes on in the world is huge. And I think it's really hard to instill that in your children. And I'm very thankful my parents instilled that into me to a, a very large extent. Um, but also my grandma um, was very involved in um, supporting, um, I don't know, she was very involved in uh, racial justice issues, both um, in her work and in her everyday life. And I think, um, and was ahead of her time in that sense. And I think- Oh, for sure. Knowing- kind of the pressure or not the pressure, but here talking to her, growing up with her and having her as a grandmother uh, really instilled a sense of responsibility in me. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing I'd say about my political involvement and my interest in social justice issues is that no one is exempt from thinking about this. Like if you care about people, it can't just end with like, oh, just care about them or I'll, I, yeah, I'm not racist or whatever. You have to do something. And if not, yeah. then you're, you failed. So I think that's probably um, the biggest lesson that I learned when I was younger. And I really am appreciative of that. And it just really never stops. 
Yeah, I think that where the movement is heading and where your family has always been is always being actively anti-racist. Because I agree, I feel like so many people are like, why do I need to read this book? Or like, why do I need to talk about this? I know I'm not racist. Well, that's not the issue. It's that we have a system, even if like people, even if you took like all the racist people out of it, it's the actual basis of the system is, is against black people and people of color. So we need to integrate it into our daily life at all times and everything is trickled down into every social issue public health is huge and how racism isn't a part of that like it's everywhere so i think that your family making it an everyday occurrence and talking about it all the time is so amazing because there are so many people who have just had these conversations now being 22 23 even my mom was saying that um on the news one of the (laughs) It was a really bad car. I think I told you this. Um, one of the news cast, whatever, they were like all talking. And one of them was like, I had a great conversation with my mom. And I think it was the first time he ever talked about racism. And it was great. Like, And she was like 35 talking to her mom, who's however old. And the one black woman that's a news reporter was like, what? She what? was like, I don't mean to make fun of you or like make you feel bad, but that's ridiculous like online yeah. tv she was like i talk about it every day multiple yeah. times a day since i was born i've always had to talk about it like that that's just literally it was like a five minute segment of privilege yeah it's just being the privilege to not have uncomfortable conversations to right. not have to face it and so if we can if we can change the conversation to making it there doesn't exactly like i was saying before not being reactive but proactive like, right, I just love exactly. how your household was always on the proactive yeah, side. But there's always more to do. And I think that's kind of what it's nice to be home during this time and be with my sister and my parents. Because although we've always had these discussions, discussions at the dinner table every night about how, like, institutionalized racism aren't, isn't going to solve institutionalized racial, racism. And I think that's going to be a huge yeah. part of the next part is just making sure you also take your words to actions or else they're meaningless. And I mean, I'm learning. Oh, for sure. And I think everyone needs to learn. So it's, um, and like the basic thing is just voting. Yeah. Um, well, I think that was a great start to the, the questions, but we'd wanted to make this a part one, part two, because obviously we are huge talkers and we could talk all day, but, Um, I wanted to plant the seed for people this week to get an idea and challenge people to, to buy books. And I know that I've been talking about in the beginning of all my episodes, what books I'm reading. Um, I think I did tell everyone that I did buy white fragility um, and I'm still reading. So you want to talk about race. I've been highlighting it and editing it. Um, So I, I would definitely advise everyone to, to read, to talk and then, We'll talk about more so what you can do with your actions next week. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, do you want any? I'm excited to talk yeah. to you guys all next week. Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know this was a short episode, but I think it'll be good because it's just a little snippet, just a little oh, yeah. sampling of what we're going to get. Next week's going to be, we might have to do three parts. Yeah, I know. Probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. The next one will be like an hour and it'll be like, that was like part two, three, and four. It's really <laughs> All right, Grace. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you all for listening. And I'll see you soon. Let's chat with Lexi Fratt. Bye. Bye.